Hi, Julie. Hi, Julie. Love you. That's the computer. Sorry, Julie. <laughs> yeah, There's an edit. <laughs> Welcome to Obstacles and Opportunities with Lowell and Julie. Sharing stories, empowering mindsets. This episode is a little different. It's a conversation between Lowell and Ed, which they recorded at their training camp in Arizona in December 2022. They've had two training camps since then, and life obviously got away from me, but I swear it's still relevant. They debrief their 2022 season and discuss plans for their 2023 season, which basically kicks off this weekend at World Cup number one in Italy. Throughout the conversation, they occasionally acknowledge that they're recording for a podcast, but otherwise it's like being a fly on the wall. They detail last year's World Cup races in Belgium and Germany, which were wild by the way. Ed talks about his accident and miraculous recovery. They surprise themselves with a conversation about the pressure they feel not to let each other down. And it's overall sweet to hear their camaraderie and the love and respect they have for each other as Canada's number one tandem cycling team. Enjoy! Hey, Ed Veal, the real deal. We're excited to have you back on Obstacles and Opportunities. And the goal is to connect in regards to last season and pump up for next season. So overall, how was last season for you? If you're going to say it in one sentence. Last season was a dream come true. Awesome. Yeah. A dream come true. A dream come true. Yeah. Think of all the dreams. We, we share all kinds of stuff. We were creative. When we came together, thought of all the things that we could do and accomplish, and all the places we'd go. Mm-hmm. And then, geez, we were there. And then it was kind of like, oh, yeah. wow. We've been, I've been dreaming about this. I don't know where to start, but I think of like Belgium. It was always like this fictitious place, Austin, Belgium. <laughs> and then we're there, you know? So it was like, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm dreaming. Like, holy, yeah. man, we've only talked about this so many times. Now we're actually lining up. The first time I did Belgium was with previous pilot. And I dreamt of doing this since day one, since you and I were connected. I wanted to do Belgium with you. And then it was canceled due to all the pandemic stuff. So we finally get to go. Our first race was in Belgium last May and Pancake Flat Course were there, World Cup, it was awesome. Yeah, until we're actually riding up and down the coast and as far as you can see, this beautiful road, that was kind of like a pinch me moment of like, again, you know, am I dreaming? Is this, this is something you'd told me about? Like, wait till we go to Austin, I can't wait till we race in Austin. We, this is our course, we're gonna do this. And then, you know, we're warming up, the hotel is right on the course. I couldn't believe that, you walk out and you're right there immediately big grin on my face going like oh wow this is this is exactly like you described it was awesome i still remember coming in after the tt totally gassed exhausted but sitting there we had still been playing with the bike ahead of time trying to figure out the shifting there's all these little things to get the bike uci ready the first world cup race with our new tandem so it was a little bit stressful to start but when we finished at the end we're sitting there with the team and wondering like what was our place we're just waiting what place did we get mm-hmm. I remember Seb, our main coach, was asking us, so what place do you think you got? Do you remember that moment? Mm -hmm, Totally. (laughs) I don't remember what I said, but I do remember him coming up and kind of like, you know, we were, you kept checking his phone, he kept checking his phone, he kept checking his phone, waiting for the, he was like, you know, is it result, has it gone up yet? I don't remember my answer. Do you remember what what we said? Pretty sure you said I wanted a top six. Mm -hmm. And then he responded, we got a top five. Yeah best result we got in a world cup and just so close we were very close to a podium that day that first moment of wow like we can do this weren't we only just like a couple uh, tenths out of fourth yeah we were tenths out of fourth the gap was so small Mm -hmm. just the excitement of what that was first race of the season we were finally there that was a top memory of 2023 i know the racing was obviously the highlight and you know getting a big result that we knew was coming and we'd worked hard for but i just remember the other thing is just being in belgium on the coast and seeing like the turrets 
war was here. Like there was a lot of history there where cycling takes us, mm -hmm. these unbelievable locations and all the travel and really, really, really enjoyed Austin and can't wait to go back. <laughs> can't wait to go back. Mm -hmm. One of the main reasons I like to race is also for the experiences, the places we get to go. That bike trip that we did on one of our training days, riding along the canals into Bruges, through the streets of this old city, biking up and down where the war was fought and the turrets were there. It just, it had a different feel to it. Totally. You remember walking in that church? We did the Cycling Canada photos there, yeah. but uh, we had been there previously and just looking around and just the history. Full day later, we get to do the Belgium road race. Mm -hmm. Any big memories from that day? Once you get a result like that, it was nice to know we belong. Nice to know we're in the mix and obviously really competitive. So the time trials, the race to truth, and we went against the stopwatch. So we know we got the strength and the fitness to compete. I was really fired up. I know that gave me a lot of confidence. I remember coming around the turnaround on the far end. And uh, do you remember how, when that was in the race? I think it was around 70K. And so we came out of the turnaround and I was just waiting for the kind of the time to come from the back and do like the long bomb. And uh, that's straight away. It was a good five minute effort. We jumped the group and it was full gas out of the saddle. Then we both sat down, time trial, like missile, everything we had trying to bridge. And we had the other Spanish team in tow. They're hanging and, behind us. Yeah, right? and they weren't working. They were nothing. They had a, there was a team, you know, they had their teammates up the road, so they weren't doing nothing. Really pissed me off thinking like, dude, like you got incentive to get up there too. But yeah, that whole straightaway, you and I were just wheezing mm -hmm. and the grunts and the groans and if we didn't get to them before they, we got back to the city circuit there was so much urgency there i felt like we were just on the brink of not making it that would have been the race if we didn't catch mm -hmm. on to that like right as we come into the city circuit we, we just connected and i remember looking back and couldn't even see the group the group was like not even in eyesight that was like the turning point but geez we're toast <laughs> toast <laughs> I couldn't, you know, we used every ounce of energy. That was a tough one. It was a tough one. Able to make another fifth in that one, so two fifths. Mm -hmm. The time trial and the road race. So well, remember how results. the sprint goes. No, we got to talk about the sprint. Oh, right? the sprint. Oh, those Spanish. Yeah, so the, the <laughs> Spanish team, you know, having some words with these guys and really didn't like the attitude, didn't like the whole bravado, and, and they were really trying to take us off the back. I guess we were a threat, and so what they kept doing was letting the wheel go. So, you know, where there's five of us, there's two Spanish, Dutch, and Belgians, and these guys keep dropping the wheel and making us close and come around. And so in hindsight, I wish I could let my temper not get the best of me, but I was pretty angry with this guy. And finally, after multiple times of having to keep closing, and he's just playing these games, I, you know, I just, you know, let the wheel go, said, all right. And then I figured we'd drop them when we sprinted back on. But it was a big, big error because they ended up being not that strong. And now we were stuck with these guys and those three rode away. And so now we're in no man's land. When we came down to the final sprint, that's why, you know, I'm Lowell. I didn't know what we were, how we were going to beat these guys, but I wanted them bad. And we were like, I'm, we're sprinting these guys. We're going to come out of the last turn, heads up, and we're going to see who wants this more, who's got what it takes. And <laughs> as soon as they, we got behind them, so I found a good spot. I jammed on the brakes. Like, I couldn't have been more cutthroat with this guy. Took a chance, locked it up, got him behind him. They went around us and then tried to do like a jump. It was kind of like this jockeying for position. But anyways, we both tried to jump at the same time. And right as soon as they... Their time of chain came off and it was like i don't know karma for being karma yeah yeah that was one of the highlights actually yeah I, I when we got a couple pedal strokes and our bike was doing whatever 10k faster and we could shut it down and roll in and look back and see those guys you know 
fighting with her bike. That was kind of like, well, that's what you get for being a poor sport. Thank you, Karma. Yeah. Another fulfilling end to the race. If I could go back in time, I wouldn't have dropped off the back with those guys. Now that we know what we know and that's how you gain experience, you got to fail sometimes. Uh, they weren't in our league. The other Spanish team was actually the top team and we should have been focused on those. It was a great result, you know, a big result for us, but left knowing we could do more and, oh, man, again, there was a, a real opportunity lost, unfortunately. So Belgium, amazing experience, two great races, and lots of learning. Mm. Not everything went perfectly. We have lots mm. to improve, but mm -hmm. that was awesome experience. And then turning our minds right to the next race. Then World Cup number two was the next week in Germany. I was like, Germany is going to be my first time in Germany. Mm -hmm. Mine too. Oh, yeah. Well. Never yeah. been to Germany. Yeah. So we travel off to southern Germany, mm -hmm. and it was epic. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was not what I pictured. I actually thought it was like in Switzerland or something. Like it was these chalets you know, whatever region this was, you know, I just had an idea what Germany looked like. This was not it. This was, you know, these big countrysides and these beautiful chalet homes with orchards and vineyards. And yeah, it was stunning. It was a really beautiful spot. Felt like the sound of music, like the, yeah, cuckoo, the yeah. cuckoo clocks and yes. yeah, the little mountain goats on the top of these little hills as we were biking by them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. It was magical. It was. It really was. Yeah, it was. And then, you know, the excitement of just leaving one World Cup and having all that success and then Jones in for more and rolling up with similar faces, similar tandems to go up against. Do you remember how you felt going to Germany and what the time trial meant or oh, what it was all about? Absolutely. So the first one, the dream for us big guys, the obstacle of hills is a pretty big obstacle. And so the first one, Austin, is flat. And then Germany's time trial is unlike any other time trial I've ever done. It was a point to point up a mountain, 20 kilometers upgrade. I'd almost not written it off, but I'd, I didn't think we'd be getting an amazing results compared. I was like, let's try, let's see how much we can go, how hard we can go. Yep. Even like what gear do we use? What bike do we use? Everything was up in the air because we've never done that kind of race before. I know, I totally remember the same way. It was like one was our race, we're gonna do so well here. And then this one was, no, this is like, you know, yeah, we're gonna give it what we have, but no expectations. And then race day comes. Yeah. And it's wet. Yeah. And cold. Totally. Warming up in, in rain. Yeah, but you, you feel the cold? I don't feel the cold, no. People say it was cold. I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I remember being wet. Getting ready, we chose to ride the road bike, not the TT bike, just for mm -hmm. positioning. And we take off. And even right off the beginning of the ramp, our tire slips. That could have been our race right there, too. Totally. Yeah. Lock in to our pace, and we just climb. What could we have done better? Would you have chose the TT bike? When we were making the plans, which bike do we use? It was, it was kind of average speed. Mm -hmm. It's time trial where it's all about speed. Mm -hmm. The road bike is a little bit lighter. The positioning, if we're climbing, I thought it was probably going to be faster. I think that's what we decided as a team also, that mm -hmm. the road bike could be faster. In hindsight, looking at the times afterwards, I think our average speed was to the point where we would have gained if we would have been in the time trial bike. I know that was hard when it's presented as a hill climb, you know, and we pre-road and you're looking, yeah, there's some pretty good grades, but you know, when you're hitting things and you're rolling up grades at 45 K an hour, that's all TT aerodynamics. So that was something we could have done better. Can't blame the bike, but I think there was time left out on the course by not going with our brand new filament that did so well the week previous, but mm. you got a highlight. What is the biggest moment of that TT? <laughs> biggest moment for me, I suppose, is when it was over and we got the result. That was the surprise. I think on the course itself, as we were as we we're climbing, I just it was hard. Mm. <laughs> it was so hard totally. keeping pace, climbing, finding the right gear. I just remember going by. Uh, like I feel like there was points where 
we were just going faster than I was picturing. You know, we're not climbers. We're big guys. Yeah. We're not supposed to be moving this fast. And there was lots of times where we we're going around the bends or we're going up around. Like, it just seemed like we we're gobbling on yeah. pavement. Like we were hauling, painting this picture of this hill climb, mm. which ended up being just a, just a time trial. Just a time trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another obstacle of making it too big in our minds ahead of time, maybe saying it's going to be a bit more difficult. We're not hill climbers and then realizing we, we can. I do remember when we got to the steepest pitch, which was near the end, we got there a lot quicker than I thought. Me too. Absolutely. And so it's like, we're already here. Like yeah. this is already the last of the hard part. So that gave me an extra little boost. Didn't know again what place we got pleasantly surprised with. Well, our best result yet of top four. Yeah, again, top four. Again, just seconds off a podium. I wouldn't have thought going in that that would have been the race we got the best result in. I mean, but the top four, just so close you could taste the podium. Yeah. So leaving us hungry for more and knowing that it's possible and it's doable. Fourth is tough. Anybody who's ever got a fourth is a really hard spot. But I would say that's up there with the best fourth I've ever had. Yeah. I've had a couple fourths. You know, yeah. they're usually painful because you're just outside of the podium. Yeah. But this one, you know, with no expectations, we didn't think we are getting fourth. And we beat some really quality teams. So Yeah, we uh, beat a lot of little teams too. I thought they would outclimb us. Our pure watts got us up the mountain. So. Yeah. So he'll climb. And then setting up for our last of the World Cups, it's gonna be the Germany city style, crit style, a more flat course. And at that point, we're going into the Germany World Cup road race, having beaten every single team in at least one of the previous races, except the top Netherlands team that was there. So our confidence was pretty high. We were pretty excited. Oh yeah. We had earned a lot of points. We were actually in early call up too, which means we can kind of roll up to the line earlier. It's just so much energy, so much excitement that day. Mm-hmm. feeling on fire I was fired up there was no doubt in my mind that um, all those previous those three you know the two TTs and the road race meant that you know today was gonna be our day the warm-up was perfect everything was going so well the course that's a circuit with a little bit of a climb but it, all through the town was very technical we're with the best in the world really technically for sure so you know licking our chops to put the hurt on everybody I mean I guess I can <laughs> yeah so, so what happened Ed what happened in the uh, Germany World Cup road race yeah we went from being like the the best to the worst in two seconds it, you know it was three two one boom go and we both clipped in and pretty much the first pedal stroke trying to get off the line quick and boom snap the chain that first moment of something happened right we feel it we don't know what our legs are just kind of free so you spin the leg nothing there no transfer to the back wheel so looking down what's going on as the whole pack rides out away from us yep yep put my hand up call over sport mechanics come running coaches come running everybody's panicking we pull over it feels like our day is over everyone's gone and we're just sitting there on the line we kind of come up and we see a broken chain like that well, could be a race as fast as they rode away i know i didn't know what to do i want to throw the bike or i want to have a little have a moment <laughs> yeah i had to go for a walk i definitely took a couple steps murray the mechanic came and Jeez, did he assess right away and went off like bolt. He sprinted. I didn't even know he could move like that. And so he went running for tools and we're just sitting there waiting. Seb, head coach, comes up and if we get you going, you guys want to continue? And Lowell and I are, yeah, we got to see what we can do. We're here to race. And yeah. that, that's the idea when you come to a race, we want to finish. Mm-hmm. But he was understanding. He understood if we didn't. And the bike was still being repaired. The time is ticking. We're just standing there holding the bike. They're trying to do their best and we're trying to stay motivated. Lola and I bump fists and say like, okay, one by one, let's go see what we can catch. Let's track them down. I think the moment I remember from that is you coming up and you gave me a hug. It's kind of this acknowledgement. Well, that wasn't what we expected or what we'd hoped for. Gave the hug as they were fixing the bike and as it was good to go. I remember you turning to the mechanic and saying, hey, 
Any guesses on how many we can chase back down? Yeah, <laughs> I know. This is the other part. Uh, what was funny is as soon as we got going, I went to start my computer and it wouldn't come back on. And so that was, I was like, oh, come on. I got no data, no speed, no nothing. My computer goes dead. So I'm like, oh, it's just one of those days. And one like, of those days. Yeah, and it didn't matter. Now it's a time trial. We just settle in. We're going as hard as we can go for as long as we can go. And we're tucked down and low. I think that my main job in that one is just to stay out of the air. So I tucked as low as I could go down in position and we just time trial. I kept thinking about the uh, mechanics, you know, they just ran and worked so hard to get us going again. So like, you know, we need to make up time. So when we're coming through and they're screaming and jumping and go get them. And then we start hearing like some of the splits coming down it was the fuel, yeah. you know, just to even get close. I got gaining I, on the, yeah. the pack. Mm -hmm. just felt so amazing. And you're cornering. I mean, this is a very technical course, probably the most technical we've raced. Oh yeah. All the corners through the city, through the town. Mm -hmm. We had to show these guys we wanted this and handling that adversity. I don't remember the first team we caught, but it, it didn't take long. And then it would seem like not too long there was another team. And then we'd come through the circuit again and hear all the cheering and it just kept building momentum. We need to push right now and close that gap. And even the tandems, when we rolled up to the group, the astonishment, the looks, the turnbacks. That was a win right there. Yeah. It was like all the respect to the respect. group. And we rolled yeah. up to that Peloton. After they were they were hurting from their effort and we we'd just done it solo to catch them. So yeah. they, they whoa, you guys are here. Yes. Wow. Pats on the back. Yeah. I remember the Irish just like, you know, Congrats, I, lads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of head shaking, a lot of like, how did you guys do that? But kind of like the bridge across in the first race, um, yeah. done. I mean did not leave anything out there. The only way we got there was full gas and... The optimal nutrition and hydration wasn't there. We were just mm -hmm. time trialing. So mm -hmm. we'd normally had been drinking more water and having the electrolytes replenished and even, even eating some more bars or gels. So by the time we got there, we were pretty depleted. The legs are starting to cramp. Oh. <laughs> the body's saying no. And we still have 20 kilometers to go with this pack mm -hmm. that's going at a pretty good rip too. So yeah. we had to continue to stay with the group now dealing with the lunges, the surges, the pace dynamics, instead of just a, a long, hard grind. Everything was shutting down. Like, like there was nothing there. All that draft that we missed for yeah. you know, two hours of being on a wheel and being in a pack caught up to us. So in this case, we had been back five minutes. We caught the group. By that point, the Dutch had gone off to the front with, with the Spanish team, those, those other two. So they were off the front. So we are now in the pack sprinting for third place after not being in the mix at all. And so that feeling was pretty amazing. Again, gassed, we come through and, and just again, seconds off the podium, we get that sixth spot. That was the best sixth place I've ever had. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The love, uh, the fans, the announcers, mm -hmm. other countries, the people lined around the track with so many people coming up to us, the teams. Team. How about the other teams? So they won yeah. and they're coming to our paddock to congratulate us. Yeah. When the Dutch come over and they shake our hands. That was a moment. They had sold off the front and he was cheer like giving us a fist pump when we were about to catch. Like other teams like going like, yes, like go get them, get on there. <laughs> Success comes in different forms and that'll be a lifetime memory. Ah, sixth. But to handle that kind of adversity and then go to battle and kind of just agree, hey, let's see how far we can go or let's see what we can do. I also remember these young kids that came up with their balloons yep. and we signed their balloons. Yes. These little German kids. That was awesome. We were there to perform and we did the best we could. Yeah. And, and it was an awesome day and an amazing memory. It leaves us hungry for more. We came home. That was the end of the European World Cups. And with the way that the season was going to launch, we were going to have our national championships, road championships in Edmonton. 
in June and then set up for August World Cup in Quebec yeah. and World Championships in Baie-Como, Quebec as well. And so this is going to be the kind of big finale and that was going to be the spot. Let's let's medal. Let's medal at home next World Cup and training focus on that. Yeah. So, I mean, nationals went well. We crushed an awesome time trial. Then uh, the road race, geez, couldn't have been more of a dogfight with the other top tandem in Canada. They had a game plan and that was to, to sit on and we, we tried to unhook them. And man, did we try. In that moment, I thought we had the legs. Yeah, definitely, we, you know, we smoked them the time trial. The race had been going pretty darn well, even though we hadn't unhooked them. Coming into that last slap, pretty much say to Lowe, like, okay, we're gonna give these guys a take. We're, you know, yeah. it's gonna come to a sprint. We've led this climb, we've gone up it every time. Like, let's rip this bike apart and drop these guys. And that didn't happen. They played the cards right. When we went up the last climb, it wasn't ideal for us. Like, it was a flat, I would say, you know, better chance, but uh, definitely a steep pitch. Probably yeah. one of the steeper pitches we've ever had. Yeah. And it was a steep, long pitch. And yeah. Just enough to, to slow our speed down. So And they got us. Yeah. Got us. So, so we got second in the road race and a well-deserved win. Seriously. Really disappointing for us, but wow, their game plan was top-notch. Stellar. Yeah. Kudos to them. So anyways, I think we felt, again, even though it was second place, it was a performance. Really had a good day, unfortunately, until the last, Comes you know, down to the line. 200 meters. <laughs> yeah. The year before winning nationals 2021 came down to the line as well. And we beat them. And so this sense of sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. It's yeah. like that the gamble of bike racing and how different that feels. A couple centimeters of a tire in front of the other, like one you win and the next time... You lose, and it's, it's hard. That was deflating, thinking we likely were going to win the second one, but yeah, Jam and Dan did, did amazing. I felt like we still won. So even though they got us, if we're performing and we're showing our potential, we fulfilled all that. That did what we needed to do in the time trial. Smoke that middle of the season, and now all sights are set on, for us as a tandem team, our World Cup and World Championships, and, and you focusing on continuing your training and doing your crit race. Yep. For those who don't know, what is Criterium Racing, Ed? It's like a little short circuit, sometimes a kilometer, sometimes a little bit longer, but the idea of uh, could be like a little city center or subdivision, or they have them all over the place, but it's, it's kind of like the NASCAR of cycling. So it's short, fast, technical. You put, you know, say 60 to 100 athletes on this short little course and you bomb around it for usually a set time, maybe an hour, sometimes, you know, an hour plus five laps, sometimes 90 minutes. I love all racing, but I really enjoy Criterium Racing. So One of your favorite children, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to have a favorite. Yeah, one of my favorite children. That's a good one. Yeah. Quite a few of them last season were were recorded or they were streaming live. Yeah. And so I was at home on my trainer watching Ed compete down in Tulsa and cruising around in the States doing this criterium and seeing the races and then seeing how many collisions there are and crashes and, and like it's a gnarly kind of racing. I've always loved that. I don't think people should be trying to harm each other, but mishaps happen just like any car racing or any racing, you know, like stuff happens. And so you put that many people going that fast, that much testosterone or adrenaline or monster energy drinks or whatever on one circuit, inevitably there'll be some really good crashes. And most of your racing is done at dusk as well. Oh yeah, twilight. Sometimes the, the men go last, the pro men, and sometimes the pro women go last, but somebody's racing at night and makes for a great spectator-friendly atmosphere. So how did you feel about last season? How did the Criterium racing go? 
amazing. I normally go down there solo and I've made lots of friends and I've been very competitive and enjoyed myself. One of my buddies, Thomas Gibbons, he said, hey, you should come race with us. And I was open to guest riding. I thought, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll put on a different jersey. And he's won the championship, the overall, the last few years. And I'm okay with saying, I'd ride for you. I'd give up my race if we could win as a team. But I hadn't done it before. So that was a, it was kind of a new experience. And that in itself was something that I didn't realize how much I enjoyed. I got to play a big role in setting somebody else up and no pressure on finishing. I went down to Birmingham, Alabama. I remember it was the first race meeting everybody. I did the master race ahead of time. So that's something I've been enjoying is, you know, being old now, I get to, you know, an opportunity to jump in other races. So you get to see the circuit. So I went to Birmingham. It lasted like two, three minutes, maybe not even the first lap in the group. Boom, off the front, lap the field, I won the race solo. So I get a little payday. But the cool thing was all the automatic guys were watching and cheering and then got to get in the race with those guys later in the day. So did that quite a bit through the season and we had lots of success. So guest riding, almost the very first race, and I was like, you know, I want to continue this on. And then they made it. All right, let's, we, we want you to stick around. So That's an exciting time to get back into bike racing after the pandemic. So, so much of that was all canceled. And so we spent so much time on trainers and, and all of mm-hmm. our other races. But to actually have events and to have you back into racing, it was pretty exciting time. That was last summer was very exciting. Yeah, the Swift racing is pretty good though. I'm living proof that the indoor trainer can get you in some pretty good shape because I came out swinging. You know, I got like Birmingham. I couldn't have been in better shape. And I think of a lot of like you, like you know, how much time are you on the trainer? How much riding do you do to outdoors? Yeah, you know. So unless I'm with you, I'm on a trainer. I know. So <laughs> you're having a killer season. We had an awesome spring with the tandem. And we're prepping for August racing. But in between, you're killing it in the Criterium circuit, riding for automatic. And we're making plans for World Cup. And now we face the biggest obstacle of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up there with some of the biggest obstacles of my life, I'd say. Uh, okay, question before I get into that. Where were you when I, you got the news? Julie and the kids and myself were riding on the bike path through Quebec. Mm-hmm. When I get a picture of Ed beat up in a neck brace and just said, I had a pretty bad crash. We'll have to talk soon. Yeah. And so the next morning we're getting ready to go and I was sending lots of thoughts and wondering and questioning what, what happened, what's going on. And then we get the phone call the next morning of you talking to me. You probably don't remember this. Not at all. But you and I, we had a conversation, you from the hospital bed of, I had a pretty bad crash. Yeah. So let's talk about the crash. Okay. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, so before we go on, I, I'll happily, but you were riding without a pilot. Yeah. So it could have been you calling me. That's true. That's true. I guess I I saw, should... Yeah. I saw photos of you yeah. on a bike by yourself was... thinking, yeah, uh, yeah where's, <laughs> where's this pilot? That, that's uh, true. That's yeah. So backstory is that I used to ride individual on my own bike, but as my vision got worse, at some point, Julie said, hey, if you're going to keep riding, we got to do it on a tandem. So Julie got me into tandem riding at the beginning. When we're out on the road, that's what we need to do. But this bike path through Quebec, it's all rail to trail. So it's old, converted, and we had these little kids with us. So I just follow Julie. So she's kind of a pilot, but she's on another bike. So I get to pilot my own bike mm. down this long path, which is pretty cool, but not taking any risks and we're going pretty slow. So I thought that was hilarious when I saw that. that was, I had a double take like... What? She's doing like a selfie over her shoulder and you're like by yourself, like you're on your own bike following her. Like, oh my God. That could have been you easily calling it me. Could but. have been easy. Yeah. 
So I don't remember the call. I definitely don't remember sending you a, a picture. I, the funny thing, I don't remember much. So everything I'm about to share is stuff that we pieced together or someone's told me. But I'm in Chicago. We're at the Intelligentsia Cup. You know, I'm racing with Automatic. I do the early race, the master race. And I think I get second. I do well. And uh, it's a downhill sprint. I, I, You know, we're chatting before the race and, you know, legs are good. I'm telling these guys, like, uh, you know, I, if... You know, today's my day. Like, I feel like this one could be mine. Like, the downhill, being a big body, and I'd already pre-rode. And so, it was, I had a green light. So, they were like, yeah, man, go for it. <laughs> I was kind of riding with reckless abandon. You know, I'm all over this race, which was great. And the way I remember it was, uh, it's four-corner, counterclockwise. And coming out of corner two, there's a long straightaway on the backside. And you're almost like in a residential area. So, it's like homes, kind of business on the one side, homes on the other side. And every time we come out of the corner, a group would go to the left, it'd be like a lane way to the right and I just kept moving up there you know I just using my legs using my legs going up there you know and so as the race gets more chaotic and comes to the finish like that laneway gets you know less and less and less and of course in those last few laps it like it always does everyone's fighting for the same two inches of road so I guess what I've pieced together is that I come out of that corner um, and I saw a video of this happening to another guy, two riders touch wheels or there's some sort of mishap in front of me. And just like a dozen times before my career, I identified what's going to happen. There's a crash coming and I, I leave the course. I go to the right and I go up over the curb and to onto some grass and, uh, you know, I'm just going to dodge this and then jump back in and then, you know, try to get back in position to sprint. And yeah, I mean, what happens you know, there's a, a big post that's holding like a light standard and there's a tree and my bike digs in and I go, you know, Superman over the bars and right into a tree. So the Garmin shows 52K an hour, dead stop. And I don't remember, you know, the first responders. I don't remember, you know, Amanda, you know, being on the scene. Um, I actually don't remember any of the race. So everything I just shared with you is all, you know, like I said, uh, friends and people that are witnesses and stuff like that. Uh, the first thing I remember is getting stitches at the hospital. That's mm -hmm. the first, the first, the pain of, even though I was, you know, drugged up and taking phone calls and all this stuff. I had a brain bleed, broken vertebrae, bruised lung, and uh, shattered my humerus. Very scary, scary couple yeah. days. It's definitely not humorous. It was not humorous. No. <laughs> scary for everybody. How are you? Those things, like a, a brain bleed. These are scary moments for Amanda, for your family. Yeah. Brain bleed, broken vertebrae. Yeah, I mean... The vertebrae, you know, they're sitting there going like, you know, can I, am I going to be able to walk? Am I going to be in a wheelchair? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in a neck brace laying there in a bed. Yeah, there was lots of doubt, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. scary kind of wait, you know, wait till we do the next CAT scan and wait till we do the next x-ray or, you know, we're going to do an MRI. Or there were some moments there where you just don't know what the recovery is like, if you're going to recover, you know. So yeah, it was super scary. But everything that came back was all great news. Every time I did a test was another, you know, great sign, this is a good sign, this is a good sign until we get the last one saying that it's like three millimeters of blood, like everything that's supposed to happen is happening. And so there, you know, there's no swelling and there was all kinds of talk about concussions and I just assumed I had a concussion like everyone, you know, but I didn't have any side effects. I didn't have any symptoms. I mean, my balance was good, no light sensitivity. And I felt like everyone thought I was just being tough or macho, mm. like not sharing, like, nope, I'm good. I'm like, yeah. please believe me, you know, like I'm, I, my, my head stuff, I'm fine. You know, other than just feeling a little off, like, slow with speech that was the only thing that i could say like i was maybe picking my words a little bit but um it's funny uh, some of the phone calls and stuff that i took like i don't remember i know it's wonderful like you know so if you're listening to this and you call thank you <laughs> i don't remember I, we got to this camp and phil was like yeah, i called you you were you were off <laughs> you weren't uh, you must have been really drugged up i was like you called <laughs> 
So it's the same thing with you. Like, yeah, yeah. You talked you, a couple you, times. Yeah. yeah. There were funny things. And, uh, you know, whether this, I remember just being told over and over again with Amanda, she shared so many things. But uh, the idea of, with you, I didn't want to let you down. And that was one thing I, mm-hmm. I, I know uh, right away was on my mind to say, like, just let Lowell know I'll be good. You know, that was a funny thing in the room. Like, you know, and then the, te- you know, the nurses and everybody, like, you know, it was two weeks. Two, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Two weeks. I'll, I'll be ready be- to race in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I can only imagine. We only have flesh wounds. Yeah, all the, the eye rolling or, you know, yeah. like everyone making faces or whatever, shaking their head, you know. Well, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> Dude. Some hopeful optimism. But in that moment of not knowing, eventually you did heal and recover, but didn't know in that moment. Lots of scariness, but that freedom, that opportunity, just let yourself heal, recover, and get the great medical treatment that you had on offer. Yep. Everything just kind of took its time. One cool thing was we opted to come home. Uh, I had a great friend contact me right away. He said, you know, I, I know somebody, get home now. He's working the emergency and he'll get you right in. And so instead of, you know, the U.S. medical system and, and you know, tr- hopefully the insurance covers all, that was, that was something that was really stressing me out. I didn't want to take any chances, uh, you know, and then when we did come home, found out that we, oh man, did we luck out and found, you know, just so happens uh, St. Joe's in Toronto has a renowned shoulder surgeon, is a cyclist. I was in good hands. So anyways, the brain bleed takes really well. The the vertebrae ends up being non-structural, no nerves. Uh, It was just just a transverse broken off that will, you know, just float there and be fine. The lung bruise, that was one thing that was actually one of the most painful things. Uh, it almost felt like a broken rib or whatever, like giggling, laughing, any sneezing. Anyways, that all kind of take care of itself. So the last thing to be looked after was my shoulder. And the surgeon there in Chicago said it was the worst x-ray he'd ever seen. And the shoulder surgeon said the same thing. That is, it is the worst x-ray he'd ever seen. He said that he had to suture it all together. And he described it as cornflakes. So that's one thing that Just will piecing always... piecing little pieces of cornflakes together to rebuild your arm. And then tied them all together. You know, tied them all together and then put a plate and 10 screws. He had to move my bicep, the tendon. He didn't know where he was going to reattach it or put it back the way it was. There was It was pretty complicated. I don't know what percent I'm at, but the idea is without that kind of extreme expertise and everything they did. So yeah, that's what now I've got to overcome and build back. But rest, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I got some forced rest that I probably haven't had ever. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of blessings from this. Be careful with your time. I always was living large and really in the moment, but we're all very fragile and you never know when's your last race or when's your last podcast, you know, when's your last conversation. So mm-hmm. you might as well give everything you got. Yeah. It might take some time reflecting back on 2022 to what were some of the lessons, but already that one of just carpe diem, seize the day, mm-hmm. like live this moment. Yeah. It's a big one. Any other takeaways? My family, they're all kind of like, so are you done with this now? No, it's actually the opposite. So, you know, when they're like in awe going like, what? You know, like how many times, like what do you got to go through to realize like you keep putting yourself in these spots, but this is living. There's no place I'd rather be. You know, I've crashed lots of times. A lot of them are, you know, dust yourself off and you get back on the bike. It's nothing, you know, you get a little bit of road rash or whatever. Uh, on this trip, I kicked a cactus, you know, you pluck out all that, you know, you laugh about it, it hurts, it sucks, you know, but I mean, it doesn't mean I'm not going to the desert anymore, you know, because yeah. what there's because cactuses, like it's the same thing. I'd rather kick a cactus than kick the bucket. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I would rather kick the cactus than kick the bucket. I've said this to them before, but I think it was a good reminder for my circle to say like, if I had passed away, and I know there were a lot of people in the moment that thought I was dead, like I scared a lot of people. And I think there might be people still now think I'm in a hospital bed. 
that's another shot. Like, you're riding? You're you're on a camp? Like, what the? You know, like, how are you doing all this? If I had passed away, it would have been in my element. Hopefully the conversation would have been like, you know, he went out on his terms, loving the moment. When people celebrate life, I feel that's what we're doing together. When we're telling these stories, when we're going to Germany or going to Belgium or the World Cup's coming this year, like, mm -hmm. that's celebration of life. So I already lived like that, but now it's like really cemented or really vivid the amount of times we keep ourselves busy when we don't have to in that moment things just kind of shed away and, and you had some more time with amanda you had some more time to reflect some of the busyness that we create we don't actually need in our life which is another thing that i've learned from you from this experience too that and is when that all goes away there's still just these beautiful moments of mm -hmm. connecting with people yeah hearing the love and sharing these moments with people think of coming back from the ride today you know the recovery ride sun's shining come back and that's where i'm trying to tell you like no place i'd rather be who knew when you're a little kid trying to pick your path or what you're supposed to be when you grow up but you know say like ah being a pilot ah i found right where i'm supposed to be and we need these reminders so you know i don't think the next one has to be a, a near-death experience but i'm going to use this as fuel don't waste your time because you just don't know what's around the corner yeah could be a tree could be a tree. <laughs> Corner two. <laughs> yeah. Well, from all of us who care deeply about you, that moment was scary, but it's so amazing to see your tenacity, your recovery, your grit, determination, the pictures of you up on your bike with a yoga ball, spinning the legs. Nothing wrong with, with your legs, right? You kept kind of spinning them when you could. And rebuilding, just that, that intention, that time, moving, stretching, recovery, physio eating well like you're an a student in recovery yeah but lol that's what is like hanging out with you that's the same with hanging out with all the pair of people like you know anybody's on this team it's amazing to watch you come into starbucks and memorize the floor plan you know what i mean like i think of like oh you know like there's so many obstacles that you overcome and it's inspiring it's like oh, you would think i'm gonna bow out you know i want no i'm on the team i'm right here i have challenges this group is inspiring. Yeah, the stories. And that's one of the reasons we do the podcast. And just to continue to focus on individuals in the mindset when we have accidents, when we have disabilities, when there's something that's in the way, do you let it stop you? And the recovery, the challenges, the cards that life has dealt you, and how do you choose to respond to it? Yeah. It's been awesome to be a part of your journey and the rebuild of this season. And the beautiful aspect is that we had already got what we needed to do for next season. We got our top six positions, which got us our carding and, and our selection for next year. So it all worked out and you have the time to recover and almost come back with more motivation, more freshness. It gave me an amazing, the opportunity for a whole fall of building base and more mileage on the bike than I've ever had before on the trainer because I had a bit more time. There are opportunities coming out of this. And I think both of us, you and I are going to be stronger moving into next season, even because of this fall. No doubt. The rest thing never rested like that. And the hunger, the urgency has just mm -hmm. been heightened. I'm super pumped. Okay, question for you. What does it mean to be the Alberta Male Cyclist of the Year? The younger version of myself wouldn't have even been able to compute that sentence. Right? <laughs> As a young kid, not having any athleticism, I was a farm kid. You, know, you don't work out. That's you, you the bales and you work hard, but cycling at a competitive level, I would have never thought. So just that alone kind of blows my mind. And the other one is a lot of gratitude. Just for the time, the dedication to the sport. It was a great honor. There's a lot of amazing athletes in Alberta, a lot of amazing cyclists. Mm -hmm. And to have this this year to be recognized, I think it's shared because I couldn't do any of this without you. So it's kind of we together as the tandem team. But I think it's it's a great honor. I'm very grateful to have been selected for that this year 
and I'm hoping to show them that I can even do greater things in this season. It's well-deserved and was really proud, really happy of it. And when I look back at some of our photos when we're, we're in Alberta at nationals and stuff like that, so it's very cool that you were uh, recognized. <laughs> yeah, Ed Veal from Ontario is wearing the Alberta jersey in, uh, in nationals. <laughs> yeah, I got some looks. I got some, I had a couple of people go, what? I can do both. Okay, another question. What's the hardest part about being my stoker? Hardest part of being Ed Veal Stoker is, oh, tip of the tongue. Longer the delay, the better. See, this is good. You actually have to think of something. Yeah, there's, there's nothing comes to mind. I think living up to my own expectations of what I need to be mm. is probably one of the hardest parts. I want to be the best in the world as a stoker. And I know that you are an amazing pilot. And so to make sure that I'm worthy of that back spot too, making sure that I'm doing the best I can. I don't want to waste your time. Right. If, even thinking about this moment of living your best life, it's kind of the sharing of the gift on the bike. But I'm not putting that on you. No, that, no. Okay. That's just we're getting a real moment here on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, because I yeah. feel the same way. So yeah. this is this is the other thing that's like, I guess the idea of like the bachelor and you choosing me, <laughs> yeah. and then the idea of living up to these expectations. Now I put them on myself. These mm. shoes that I'm trying to fill are almost impossible to fill. So I feel the exact same way. Yeah. So I didn't know you felt that way. Wow. Well, if, if there's a way I can lessen that or, you know, let me know because I don't want to make it hard. I'm shocked to hear that, actually. Yeah. I thought it would be something else. Be taking I, you off corners or uh, well, be, uh, picking I, wrong, uh, taking you down Kinney and slam, slam, <laughs> hitting cracks in the road. Yeah. Take it, you think about a joke. I was going to make jokes about, like, riding with you after eating chili or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the tandem, it's like dancing. And with the wrong partner, it just doesn't go well. And it's been awesome to be able to have this moment even to connect. It's, it's, it's awesome. I love being on the tandem. I love doing this with you. But also that it's from both of us. This is a big commitment. We're spending time, money, time away from our families mm -hmm. to do this journey. And so this isn't a hobby at this level. It's wanting to make sure that we both are serving each other, kind of gifting each other. Even though we came together through the bike and the tandem, it kind of has developed into more than that. So I think making sure it's not a hardship, I guess when you say what's the hardest part, it's more like it's a shared responsibility. At the end, this isn't just me. If I stop pedaling, I'm not just letting myself down. Yeah. So I don't want to let you down either. If I have a bad day, it's kind of double fold. I know. It's, it's not just me having a bad day. It's now I've asked Ed to be a part of this journey to, to sacrifice his time. And if I, I don't let him down too. So that's probably the hardest part. And I, again, I put that on myself. It is hard. We think of things people have shared or even today, different conversations about like knowing is your partner doing an equal share. Like you put that to bed. So like, that's one thing that's nice to say and let everyone know. No, 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 that ain't happening. Like, you know, we, we went war up lemon. Like, you know, we don't have to worry about that. That's something that we took care of. Like when we first met, you know, so that that's one thing. And the same thing about, you know, I guess knowing I feel the exact same way. What you just said about the hobby right from day one. I never signed up for a hobby. This is fun, entertainment. We're getting to ride bikes and do this, but I was very clear. Like, this is high performance and all the good that comes with it, you know, like uh, our families getting to know each other and traveling and all this, but that's a wonderful byproduct. But the idea of like representing Canada and trying to win medals, we wouldn't be on a camp unless it was about trying to go be world champion or, or at least be the best we could be for the country. All that other stuff was like, bone it home. Oh, oh, and we're chatting for hours and all. Are we really like each other? Like, it's crazy. And I did not foresee that. I want to enjoy your company. You know, you want a good person, but I didn't think it would be anything like this. So, yeah. Yeah. 
You can't share any of this because it's too mushy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I, I've got a persona, yeah, man. Yeah, kid. to find it out. I'm all big softy. What the, the hell? interesting thing about the flip side of our strengths and our weaknesses, the, the strength of being a, a team is also part of the hardship. We want to do well for ourselves. We want to do well for each other as a team. And that just adds some more responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it can be this big weight, but it could also be fuel. I think that's what we get to do is share that fuel because I know when I'm on the bike and I can hear you breathing so deep that I know you're giving everything you got on the bike and I can feel the bike twisting when you're sprinting. Like I know that we're in this together and at the end of the race, we're going to have given everything we've got and that's all we can ask for. And then the results will be what they are. Mm-hmm. Totally. And we'll continue to aim and, and focus on that. So, Well, there's going to be a whole year of that as far as heightened excitement, what we just did on this camp and what we continue to build. You've been riding an ass off. And it shows. Yesterday, going up Lemon wasn't my PB, but we PB'd. So that's you. You are the one that made up the slack on that one. That's another team thing. Like, that's the cool part. Yeah. So for 2023, we have a lot on the plate. And just a quick overview, we'll kind of keep people updated on the podcast as you go. Follow us on social media. At Julie Lowell Can for, for myself and Julie, and then at Real uh, Deal Veal. Yeah, Real Deal Veal. To follow along each of our journeys and our path, but we're going to be building up for two European World Cups in April, and then Alabama for the third World Cup, and then the big push to World Championships. That's our first and main selection criteria for Paris 2024. So Glasgow, Super Worlds in August, that's what we're aiming for this season, and then a beautiful end. Well, not end. There's no end. Um, if we continue to go, there's also the Parapanning Games in Chile, which are going to be amazing as well in November. So big things ahead. Really excited. But one race at a time, one training at a time, and continuing to be the best athletes and humans that we can be each day. Yeah. What Lowell just said. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ed. Thanks, dude. We thank everybody else who's listening to this for cheering us on and supporting us through our highs and our lows. Thanks, everybody. Yes, thank you. Julie will wrap the rest. Well, apparently we've established that Julie will wrap the rest. (laughs) But gosh, shucks, don't you just love those two together? Can't wait to cheer them on as they start their 2023 race season this weekend. They race in World Cup number one on April 21st and 23rd in Italy, and then World Cup number two on May 5th and 7th in Belgium. With the experience gained and lessons learned last season, they're really hoping for a podium finish. Again, you can always check for updates on Instagram at Julie Lowell Can and at Real Deal Veal. Ed is really good about posting stories, and I'm usually good about sharing what he posts. <laughs> Love you and so proud of you both, Lowell and Ed. Now go show the world what you're made of. And thank you to everyone else for cheering them on, and thanks for listening. Bye!